for joining. Um, just to let everyone know, this um, workshop will be recorded, audio only, not video. Um, so if you don't want to be included in that, then please just mute yourself. Um, but we'll be putting it up as a podcast onto our Spotify. Um, so those that can attend can listen in. Um, so to start with, um, just a little bit of admin, yeah, we're just going to mute everyone. Um, and if you have any questions throughout the session, if you wouldn't mind just put, putting them in the chat um, and then we'll just do them all at the end, just so that we can keep everything running smoothly. Um, but yeah, apart from that, welcome to our Expectations Exceeded webinar. Um, my name's Jess and I work at Blind in Business as the Apprenticeship Coordinator. Um, so that means that I do the day-to-day -day runnings of our schools and council service. Um, so many of you I've met before, it's great that you're, you've come along. Um, if you're new to Blind in Business and you'd like to find out a bit more, maybe have a one-to-one -one session with one of us, um afterwards then please just drop us an email after the session um just to kind of outline the vague aims of this evening session um we run these parents workshops normally twice a year um, at moorfields eye hospital in london um, obviously due to covid we put them online but it actually means that loads more of you have been able to access it which is great um, so really, we're just going to hear from a few of our Blind and Business alumni. So uh, people, young people that have come to us that we've helped into work um, through further education. And hopefully you can find out a bit more about what made them successful, what helped them through their journey, um, as well as kind of the social side of the visual impairment as well. Um, and hopefully that will build your confidence for those young people that are listening. Um, that are visually impaired themselves. So I hope that will make sense. Um, if you have any questions throughout, as I said, just pop them in the chat and um, James, my colleague, our employment manager, um, can reply to those. Um, but if anything, there's any for the Q&A itself, then we'll go through those at the end of the session. Um, so just to start off with, um, I'll introduce our alumni. So um, today we have uh, Asil, you should be here, Asil, can you shout out if you're here? Should yes, I am. Hi, yes. She's here. Hi, Asil. Um, Zoe? Hiya. Zoe, here she is. Erica? Erica might not have joined yet. Okay, um, Josh? Yep, yeah, hi. Hi, Josh and Ed. Hi Jess, hi everyone. Hi, brilliant. Um, four out of five, not bad. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll see if um, Erica joins in later in the session. Um, so just to start off with guys, um, maybe it's easier to go through in the order I introduced you. Would you mind just introducing yourself, um, telling us how old you are, what job you're doing at the moment, uh, where you are in the country and what your vision is like, just to give everyone a bit of a, an idea of who you are. So we'll start with Aspel. Sure. Hi. Um, so, yeah, as just said, my name's is Um I am 31 years old. Um, I am an AI scientist um, at the moment. And what were some of the other questions? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm based in London. Um, uh, based in London and your vision impairment. 
Yep. Um, so I am an albino and, um, well, the way the doctor described to me, I have a full um, field of view, but I have around 15% of my vision. Okay. And where do you work at the moment, Lisa? Um, in a healthcare data science company called IQVIA. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, and we'll next go on to Zoe. Zoe is a little bit different. She's not quite a job level yet. Zoe, could you tell us a bit about who you are and what you're doing at the moment? Hi, yeah, so as Jess has said, uh, so my name's Zoe, I'm from Derby, uh, so that's in the Midlands, uh, not everyone knows where it is. Um, so um, I am um, not very far along at all um, on my employment journey, so I've just graduated. Um, I literally just got my results three days ago, um, so I'm still sort of, uh, so I'm not actually, I don't have any experience of actual employment, um, but I have got um, a very exciting interview lined up in the next two days um, and that's in um, that's uh, tax accountancy uh, I think that's everything oh visual impairment uh, sorry <laughs> lots of questions um, so I have next to no vision I have LCS um, so I um, have a little bit of light perception but that's pretty much it um, thank you great thanks that's perfect. Um, we'll move on to Josh now. Josh, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, hi, I'm Josh. Um, I finished uni about this time last year um, and then was due to start my job in September, but with COVID, that was pushed back to February. Um, so I, now I work for Deloitte as a data scientist um, and consultant. Um, and then I, I vision wise, I'm totally blind. Used to have a bit of light perception, but don't have that nowadays. So, um, yeah, that was me. Great. Thank you. Uh, and last but not least, Ed. Hi, I'm Ed. Uh, I'm 28. I'm a civil servant, uh, who's been working for the department for transport for coming up on two years now. Um, and site levels wise, uh, I'm, I've got Stargarts, which is macular degeneration. Um, so yeah, I really struggle with, um, sort of detail, but have a, have a decent field of vision. So, uh, very heavily reliant on things like zoom tech software like that. Um, but you know, able to, to get about and hopefully not walk into too many people in the office. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Um, okay. So to start with, we're just going to focus on kind of your employment journeys so far. Um, Isil, could you just tell us a bit about what encouraged you um, to go into higher education? Because I know you pursued that quite far. You could tell everyone a bit about that um, and how you found your education journey in terms of um, making adjustments um, and succeeding in that. Um, sure. So um, I guess I'll give you a bit of background first. Um, so I went on um, first. I did my undergraduate degree at Leicester. I did uh, psychology with sociology, which I quite enjoyed. But um, after it, I guess I wanted something a little more, um, I would say, like scientifically rigorous. Uh, so I ended up pursuing a master's in neuroscience. Um, and that took a while. I ended up actually uh, partly because of my visual impairment, I found that um, kind of uh, being in a 
studying a STEM subject is a, a bit different to sort of social sciences, you know, where you have to focus on like what they write on the board and stuff like that. So I actually ended up pursuing my master's uh, part time. I then went into research and after uh, being in academic research, I ended up doing a PhD also in neuroscience um, at UCL. Um, so that was a very long journey within academia, almost 10 years. Um, and how did I find the adjustments? Um, I have to say that like, I found that the further you go in academia, the less uh, adjustments come to you, the more you have to kind of be more proactive to make sure that the environment is suitable to you. Because simply, you know, people, don't don't really meet many people who have various types of disabilities um so the onus really becomes on you to uh go and knock on people's doors and ensure that the type of support that you have um is there essentially yeah. and also it comes with uh you know maybe partly the recognition that uh, you know to be honest you're not going to be supported fully throughout that journey and to uh you know just carry on kind of persevering through that uh, that's the kind of real sense of it I think um, but uh, despite that I absolutely don't regret my journey um, I really enjoyed academia and uh, yeah I think that's it great thank you um, Zoe as someone that's just finished university um, would you agree with what Isol said did you find you have a similar experience um, I think in some respects, yes, but in other respects, no. Um, so I think, I think, Asel, did you did you say that the further you went along that academic journey, the less um, support you were getting? Um, yes, exactly. I, I found during my undergraduate, uh, I actually found it was pretty like you know there was a template of how you get supported, but then further on, it was a, a little bit harder to get that support. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with the first part of that. I haven't uh, embarked on a master's or anything like that, so I couldn't really comment on what it's like uh, further along in the academia journey. Uh, but um, I certainly was well supported. Obviously, there were things um, that were, I mean, slightly, I mean, I don't want to say ancillary uh, to the academic side of things, but the sort of um, mobility, the uh, guiding, uh, you know, from accommodation to lectures and all of that. Um, so self-advocacy really did come into it and perseverance, as Asel said. Um, but I'd say on the educational front, I was quite well provided for, I'd say. Good, that's good to hear. Um, and Ed, you didn't go to uni. Could you tell everyone a bit about um, how you found similar aspects, so um, adjustments and that type of thing uh, in through your education and through your job at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I, I did actually go to uni, I just didn't finish it. I, I mm -hmm. my sight sort of deteriorated um, whilst I was at university. So for me, like it was a real adjustment period. Not only was I like sort of dealing with the hardest kind of, um, I guess, content uh, that I don't mm -hmm. ever had to deal with doing an engineering degree. Um, but then sort of having to adapt my learning style and that was quite quite tricky um, but what, what I found kind of since then and what I've really learned from that is yeah you do have to like, like the other said you really do have to be the biggest advocate for your own um, uh, adjustments um, 
and I, you know, don't be afraid to speak out because that's certainly what I've done in my in my current job. And if anything, it's actually kind of got me into um, a few like kind of working groups, a few discussion panels actually at work, kind of talking to much more senior people about the adjustments that are required, um, about the need for, you know, like we've been on diversity and inclusion panels, things like that, to, to really discuss the importance of this. Um, so trying to use it like as a as a real advantage, I guess, um, in whatever way you can if you can become like, you know, speak really loud for yourself and, and be really clear on what it is you need, um, you know, people will listen. I think people respond very well to that. So, I mean, for, for me, it's been a it's been a really good experience in my job and uh, and with the apprenticeship that I'm on um, through my job. Could you just um, clarify for people that don't know what apprenticeship you're on at the moment? Yeah, so I'm on the uh, policy profession apprenticeship uh, run by the civil service um sort of throughout the civil service there's lots of different like policy roles so you can work in what i'm currently working on is is uh border readiness of 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 hauliers um with relation to the eu transition period so it's all very sounds quite complicated uh but it's really interesting um and work with a great team and i think the the apprenticeship kind of allows you to do that it sort of uh, sent you across lots of different policy opportunities across lots of different departments um so yeah very interesting okay um uh just touching on the apprenticeship side of things for those people that are listening that are interested in that what would you say the advantage the advantages doing an apprenticeship over doing a degree um well the, the biggest one obviously is is earning whilst you're learning mm -hmm. um that was really great and i think it allows you to get into, um, you know, the, the job a, a different route. And once you're yeah. into the job, all they care about moving on in the next stage is kind of your experience within the job. So um, I've sort of since applied for promotions internally and, and none of it's been about, oh, what, you know, do you have a uni degree? It's actually about, you know, what are your, what's your experience and what have you learned in your role and things like that. So yeah. um, it's a really good avenue. I mean, like uh, for my personal learning style, I think I learn much better on the job. And so there's bigger lecture halls are not quite were not quite suited to me certainly at the time um so yeah I, I think it's a it's a great alternative at least good okay um josh coming to you now um would you be able to tell us a bit about how blind and business played a part in your journey into employment yeah of course um so i actually got involved with blind and business while i was at school um quite a few years ago um <laughs> And um, yeah, so sort of was always aware of, you know, uh, that, that, you know, that they were around essentially. Um, and then obviously sort of went off to uni, did my degree um, and then sort of got into my sort of getting to the end of my third year of my degree and then went on to do a master's, but was also very conscious that I didn't have any sort of work experience going forward. Um, so I went, got in, got in touch with Blind and Business initially so someone could look over my CV. I think one of the main concerns I had was about how to disclose my disability and, um, you know, the sort of steps I needed to take to talk to employers about that kind of thing. Um, and so James initially helped me draft my CV um, and, and I then went along to an assessment centre, like a mock assessment centre day at EY. Um, not sure how much of that actually played into my future career choice, but um, read into that as you will. But um, anyway, then 
eventually sort of in my fourth year um, of uni, uh, started looking at grad schemes and decided that Deloitte was going to be one of the ones I applied to. Um, and yeah, shortly after applying, um, I was asked to do a video interview, which I think we can all safely say is a challenge when you when you can't really see what you're doing. So um, mm. again, sort of got in contact with Blind in Business um, just to see, you know, what my sort of next steps should be about you know to talk to them about those kinds of things and um anyway the james did some interview coaching with me um again sort of looked over my cv and made sure that it was all you know up to date and how i wanted it to look and um yeah and then it, when it got around to the actual in-person interview michael actually um came along to the interview with me dropped me off at the office so i knew where i was headed um because um New Street Square, where the Deloitte offices are, is somewhat of a maze. Um, and I, I, I seem to remember that me and Michael both struggled to find the office on the day. So I'm glad, glad we left ourselves plenty of time to get there. But um, yeah, and uh, eventually um, got accepted by Deloitte to, uh, yeah, to work in data science. So I, I, I definitely credit my, um, you know, my, yeah, my, my current job with all of the help that blinded business gave me for sure <laughs> that's great um and you mentioned they're disclosing your disability i know this is something that a lot of people feel nervous about um how did that process work for you you, you touched on it briefly um, and what did you find easy and more difficult about it what advice would you give to people yeah so um i i was always sort of I always wanted to I think I, I always wanted to be upfront with people about it um personally um I know it's a it's a difficult choice for a lot of people but I I wanted to present it in a way that kind of that's not oh hello I'm Josh and I'm blind in the profile <laughs> of my CV um I wanted to sort of you know um present it in a way that's like this is what I can do and you know yes I am blind but actually you know I, I do other stuff you know that that isn't who I am um yeah. so I I mean I, I presented it in I, I I'm part of the blind England cricket team so I actually put that in my in my profile as a way of sort of demonstrating that you know yes I'm blind but I also have you know, great team working skills and you know actually you know play sport at a high level so mm -hmm. I think uh, for me, it was about finding a way of, of, of putting that across, but also saying, you know, actually, this is all the other stuff I can do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's sort of Good. that was sort of my process. Okay, um, and so would you say that you had a similar experience? Um, and would you also be able to explain to people a bit about access to work and what that is? Because some people may not know. Sorry, was the question directed at me? Yes, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, for me, I would say um, I'm very similar to Josh, where um, I think as I go further down um, my career path, it becomes like it, it's almost a, I'm a lot more confident at disclosing my disability. And in fact, um, you know, I usually like to do it early on in the interview process, whereas I think uh, when I was um, 
applying for jobs before, I always kind of put it as an afterthought. Um, whereas now, you know, even in my um, CV, unfortunately, I'm not a um, National England uh, cricket player, but I, you know, in my blurb, I, I do mention about my disability. So I try to be very transparent about it because at the end of the day, I, like I hope that um, sort of my skills speak for for themselves, and this is just a kind of extra bit which they should keep in mind. And hopefully, um, if they if it's possible for us to work together well, then uh, you know clearly they would be respectful to uh, and uh, adjust their needs for me. Uh, or just for my needs. Um, and in terms of access to work, I have personally not used uh, that a program yet. I have heard that it's very useful, uh, but I guess because I spent such a long time in um, academia, I did use the um, DSA and uh, for higher education. So the student disability allowance, which covered a lot of um, which offered the similar types of things as access to work um, and in terms of the jobs that I have had since um, the companies have covered any of these extra needs that I have uh, needed so far. Great thank you. Um, Zoe we're just going to come back to you briefly um, for those people that are thinking of going to university or even moving away to do an apprenticeship um, what would you say your top tips for uni are and how did you find that it um, boosted your confidence um, on a social level? Uh, okay um... I'll start off with the uni thing. I think my top tips, we've talked about self-advocacy a lot before. Can't stress mm -hmm. enough how important that is because um, if you're not already used to asking for what, you're need, what you need and sort of being prepared to do that, um, then you'll get used to that very quickly. But it does help um, to be... Um, you know, prepared to do that before you head off to uni because um, when I went off, I'm afraid that was something I kind of needed uh, to work on. Um, and yeah, um, it was a bit of a painful experience <laughs> learning how to do that at the same time as learning how to navigate university life. Uh, so I'd say maybe really <laughs> get good on that, get strong on self-advocacy. Um, I would say also get familiar with what your university offers what services they offer and what they don't offer um mm -hmm. what um you have to figure out externally um so my university is really really good on library access so they have uh what they call the um accessible resources unit um which is really really good um at preparing um resources in uh, accessible formats for me um, because obviously I'm not really in a position to just go into a library and pick up a book um, <laughs> so, so yeah that's all good um, I'd say on the social side um, I think it's been quite difficult um, over the last 18 months because I've had to spend a lot of time not actually on campus um, so for I think it was my third term of second year and second and third term of third year, most of that was spent actually at home, not at university at all. Um, but I'd say in the time 
that I was at university, I would say that just um, getting to know people um, of my own age who are um, sighted was really useful because I went to um, a specialist school for the visually impaired. Um, so New College Worcester, I'm not sure how many of you on here know about mm -hmm. that, um, many of the people yeah. watching, but um, it's quite a small school and it has a lot going for it. But what I would say is that um, coming to university and engaging with sighted people my own age was uh, quite a new experience. And I'd say that really prepared me for um, going into the office and um, continuing to interact with sighted people of my generation, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That was really good advice. Um, Ed, what would you say, you've got, this is, you know, originally a parents workshop, now we have lots of different young people and uh, teachers of visual impairment listening in, but um, what impact would you say that your parents had on you regarding your sight loss and what did you find easy or difficult about that? Well, um, we, we didn't really expect for my, my sight loss, it's sort of... Mm -hmm. I suppose what impact did they have their faulty genes I guess was what um, <laughs> but uh, other than that I mean obviously they were incredibly supportive but it was as, as new an experience for them as it was was for me um, yeah. I've got a younger brother as well who has the same condition mm -hmm. um, so I think that helped us both having it um, yeah. sort of I'd gone through it first and we we're able to kind of have a bit of fun with it I guess I, I think <laughs> the key really is is to just you know Zoe mentioned it before about self-advocacy it kind of applies to literally everything if you if you're confident in who in who you are and you know not apologetic for something that you have no control over uh, people really warm to that so that I think confidence is kind of um, is very important in, in whatever aspect and I think it particularly applies to to visual impairment so um, obviously my, my parents were very supportive but there's a lot of times that I guess they, they wouldn't even understand about things that I could or couldn't see um, yeah. And uh, I guess they, they kind of, you know, were supportive when they could, but they also knew that it's very important to, to push yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for a parent, sometimes it could be very easy to try and wrap your child up in, in sort of <laughs> cotton wool. I mean, I was sort of 16, 17, 18 when, when I was first diagnosed and my sight was going down. So, I mean, they were obviously a lot more kind of uh, hands off at that point. But, but for kids sort of younger, in younger ages, some of the stuff that I've done, um, through some sight loss charities in Somerset you know it's just about I think you, you, what you want to do is you want to try and allow your kids to to push themselves and really show what their their potential is um, I'd say that's that's kind of where you get that confidence and that that kind of ability to um, yeah be unapologetic for your for yeah. your uh, for your disability and just get on and, and get the best out of yourself yeah um, I'm gonna open that question up um, to the rest of you as well, um, Isil, Josh and Zoe. Do any of you have anything you would add to that? Or would you say you, you echo what Ed said? I would say, um, personally, I would uh, definitely echo what Ed said. Uh, I guess my experience was slightly different because I, I guess I grew up as uh, being visually impaired from birth. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, be it for better or worse, I, I think uh, my whole family sort of treated me um, just kind of the same as my brothers. And they kind of didn't give me any... Um, and any excuses you know it's uh, mm -hmm. so it was very much and I think because of that it actually allowed me 
to test my uh, my own limits m more yeah. because I think otherwise if let's say if they would have been a bit more like as he said again uh you know it's a completely new experience for them especially uh no one in my extended family has this um mm. so uh, I think them kind of allowing me to uh, to just be free and the same as any other child I think it really um allowed me to get to know where my limits are and also how to maybe overcome some limits mm. so uh yeah I, I would definitely back the kind of harsh love approach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tough love. Um, okay, uh, and Josh, um, we've just been speaking about confidence a bit and self-advocacy. Um, how easy did you find it to become confident um, to go for these top jobs at Deloitte and elsewhere? Um, how did you, you know, find that in yourself to become to be able to, you know, advocate for yourself. Yeah, I mean, um, I've always been, I, I've always been sort of party to the idea that, you know, your disability shouldn't hold you back from doing anything you want to do. I think that's why I was mad enough to do a physics degree at uni. But um, <laughs> I, I think uh, for me, it was all, it was always about, you know, if, if, if my friends are having the same, you know, they've got these opportunities why shouldn't why shouldn't I kind of that was my mentality and um I think part of that is definitely because I've had you know really supportive parents and I went to a although I went to a mainstream school we had a very good VI resource base there who you know supported me throughout my sort of school career and 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 even while I was at uni although they'd never had a, a, phys a blind physics student before they were everyone was willing to be willing to be really flexible and 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 help me with you know problems I, I happen to be struggling with so I think uh, yeah part, part of that is definitely due to the people I've had around me and and, and I think part of it also just just comes from you know uh, from yourself you know from myself and I think you know you, you have to you, you have to be able to stand up for what you think you you deserve um because no one else is going to do it so i yeah <laughs> I, I i definitely think um yeah uh, just having a really good you know environment yeah. around you know and, and a really supportive friends family mm -hmm. whatever is, is you know so important as well yeah. great thanks guys that's really helpful advice um we're gonna go onto the q a so we're gonna open it up uh, to any of you listening that have any questions. Um, if you pop them in the chat, James is going to go through them. Right, we haven't had any questions so far, okay. but I definitely have have a question. Um, when you went to university or when you started work, how have you found, found the social side of things? So kind of going out, enjoying freshers week, did you find you were able to kind of get stuck in and enjoy the social side as well as the, the work side?
I'm, I'm happy to jump in on this one. I'm, I'm sure the others will, will have what, what they want to say on afterwards. But um, I think that's almost just as important, if not more important than, than the work side. Um, looking at it from a work perspective, obviously going for um, other drinks after work or, or lunch with, with colleagues. Um, I, I, I found sort of recognising colleagues quite difficult when I first got into the office. But again, it comes back to that if you're if you're quite um open about who you are and 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 what you know kind of challenges you might have um you know people are very receptive to those sorts of things and i think once you if you put yourself out there and, and go for those kind of social events it's it really helps um sort of further down the line if you do have um some sort of needs like say oh you know i've got to go onto the third floor to go and see so and so like i've got no idea where they are like would you be able to you know go up there with me like that that's when those sorts of kind of social um links with people really help they're, they're sort of dead keen to to help you out on those things so and uh, from a uni perspective obviously going out and and getting involved in in freshers week as much as you can with your flatmates or people in your halls i i can't stress how important that is so yeah sometimes i guess it could be a little bit nerve-wracking but i think more often than not it goes very well so um i don't know if any of the others want to come in on that yeah, I, I, um, I, d I definitely agree with Ed. Um, I mean, I for me, to talk about Freshers Week, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, when I went into uni, I think everyone, everyone, whether you have a disability or not, is terrified uh, that first week or so. Um, I, I remember my my first couple of days. I was just, you know, oh my god, I've, you know, I've gone from living with my mom and and and. And now I'm just on my own, you know, and, and ultimately everyone is the same age as me and has about as much life experience as I do. So um, I think I think it's terrifying for anyone. Right. And and, and but I, 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 you know, jumped at, you know, trying to meet as many people as possible and, and you know, making I think making friends is so important. Um, and then obviously, I mean, from a work perspective, it's been very different for me. I started working you know right in the middle of a pandemic so um all of my induction was virtual it was all done over zoom um which was i think a challenge in itself because deloitte had never really done a virtual induction before um and then on top of that they then had to try and work out ways of you know making things accessible for me um but also it meant that from a social you know from a social perspective all of that sort of networking which you would have traditionally done in that you know those first couple of weeks it's actually quite it was very difficult to organize because that had that also had to be done in zoom sessions so you sort of ended up doing nine ten hour zoom calls every day for the first month which was and then on top of that you'd then have to like log back in a couple of hours later to do a two-hour networking session so it's like that was a very different experience and I, i'm sure well i hope anyway that we won't have to go through that much longer. But um, I, th I think in some ways it's been quite an interesting leveler um, in that unless I explicitly tell people, they wouldn't necessarily have to know that I'm blind. And actually I could just quite happily get on with my job um, or, you know, get to know people over Zoom and they would just have no idea. Um, uh, and and actually that, that was quite liberating for me and, you know, uh, Although I'm sure people wouldn't 
you know, judge like that. It was also quite nice to know that actually they didn't, you know, people didn't necessarily have to know if they didn't, if I didn't want them to know. So um, that was quite interesting for me, but I I'm actually started going into the office a bit since sort of May, June time. Um, and it's also been really nice to meet people in person and also quite surreal to meet them after feeling like a full up. So um, that's been my experience. If I could just uh, add to that as well, um, I would say when it comes to kind of social life at uni and beyond um, and visual impairment, um, I, I know that personally I've always found it a really difficult, uh, uh, like probably a lot more difficult to disclose to sort of like on a social level rather even compared to employers, just because employers is quite easy. It's like a more of a formality, whereas, uh, you know, with people that you meet, it's a bit difficult to kind of be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's actually I'm not ignoring you or it's not uh, that I'm clumsy or whatever uh, <laughs> to actually get to um tell uh, like knowing where when is the right time to basically say that like hey i can't see very well can you help me out like to show me where xyz is um i think personally i haven't figured out like an overall kind of specific formula which works for every situation but i do think that it's always worth bearing in mind that you know, people are always happy to help. I have, I don't think I have ever met anybody who's been like, you know, rude or offensive or something like that after um, disclosing that you have a visual impairment in a social situation or at work. So I think actually maybe having the confidence to uh, come out with it earlier and like, you know, in a casual way, I think it always helps because at the end of the day, you're straight, you're, uh, staying true to yourself, which can only be a positive. Fantastic. Am I okay? Oh, sorry. Very much. We've had a couple of people ask questions about technology. So if we could quickly go around, because I know there's never a solution that is perfect for everyone. But if you could tell us what technology or software you find useful, and that can be at work, but I'd also be really interested to know what kind of apps on your phone, for example, you find quite useful just for day to day. I guess I'll quickly go. Um... Uh, generally, personally, I use all well all the my computers. Uh, I have an, a huge external desktop. I've got uh, all the accessibility settings, and the main uh, sort of um, apps that I use are um, Zooming software. Usually, I prefer Macs over over Microsoft computers just because they have a much better UI. Um, and when it comes to Using other things, I use loops. I've, I have found uh, quite useful to um, just see stuff in detail. Oh, and also spe various speech software. But usually um, I don't use Zoom text just because I don't like the uh, like robotic voices and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I tend to use just like the native Google software for that. So I, I actually use Zoom text. Um, I've had a lot of problems with it sort of at work. We finally got them working. Um, and just due to the nature of my my site, like I can use the magnifier to navigate around the screen. 
um and then anything that i know that i you know is longer than a sentence i, I tend to use the speech on it to to have it read out so for me at my site levels um that's sort of uh there's there's i think there's a couple of alternatives things like supernova i'm sure blind business will be you know very good at, at sort of sorting out all the assistive tech but um for me zoom text is is the big one that i use for work and then my uh, i just use an iphone as my personal phone um which is sort of got a lot of great accessibility functionality built into it and then um yeah so sort of like the the zoom or, or for longer bits of text or the voiceover things like that I use a Mac um, and a Braille display for most of what I do at work. Um, I used to use JAWS um, up until about my second year of uni, and then I made the switch over to Mac because I was doing a lot of coding. Um, and I've generally found that Macs tend to be easier to code with for me anyway. Um, and yeah, so I, I tend to use a Mac and a Braille display. Um, I, the Braille display is really useful um, when I code, actually, because a lot of coding relies on things being, you know, things being in line with one another and you have to indent things to a certain extent. So I, I think a Braille display for me has been really useful because um, otherwise you have to end up sort of counting tabs at the beginning of each line, which isn't ideal. Um, so, yeah, and then, I mean, on my phone, um, I use tap tap see and um, seeing AI as well is a big one that I use, especially sort of identifying tins and stuff at home. Um, soundscape I use sometimes to try and get around um, in conjunction with Google Maps as well. So. Um, yeah, I would say that's really interesting what you were saying about Mac being better for coding and all of that, um, because I'm coming to this from a very kind of humanities centered um perspective so i actually did a music degree um so i found that um so i've just got a you know standard dell laptop uh windows um and i use either jaws or nvda because uh, <laughs> different things work better with different uh, uh screen readers and obviously nvda is available for free so yeah why not um but i would say for doing my music um it's a lot easier to do on this setup than on a Mac, say. Um, I think obviously that's going to change a whole lot. So maybe I'm uh, best not to really dwell on what I'm doing at the moment, because obviously I'm going into a very non-musical setting. I may well have to um, adjust my software, etc., for work and all of that. Um, so that would be a really interesting thing to explore in the next few months. Um, and obviously blind in business will, I'm sure, be um, really good with all of that and sort of uh, talking me through what sort of options are available, what's best suited to the job that I'm going into. Um, I'd say personal um, tech use is pretty much the same as Josh, to be honest. So uh, iPhone. Uh, obviously has lots of very good built-in features um, and seeing AI, I'd say, has been really useful. Fantastic. We've got a few more questions, so I'm going to try and rush through, so I'm keeping my eye on the clock as well. Um, I think we've got a great question here, which, Zoe, I'd be very interested to hear your answer, because I think 
you and Josh were probably the most recent. Looking back, what advice would you give yourself? I'm sorry, I slightly lost the end of that. Could you repeat that, please? Looking back, what advice would you give yourself at the start of secondary school? Ah, brilliant, thank you. Um, so I would say it's never too soon to start gearing up for moving away from home and for, you know, looking out for yourself, as we've been saying. Um, so I would say there was a huge learning curve when I went off to university. Um, and I'd say, um, as I have said, I did go to New College, uh, which is a boarding school, and that's really fantastic in terms of um, teaching life skills. <clears throat> so there, for the first three years, they have skills programmes um, and you basically learn sort of adaptive strategies for, say, cooking, doing laundry, um, even stuff like shopping online and kind of knowing what you're doing. Uh, and obviously that's very tailor made, you know, from student to student, I would say. Um, and obviously um, I took all of that home um, and did that sort of not while I was not at school as well. Um, I'd say just really concentrate on that um, a lot more than I actually did, if that makes sense, because uh, 11 year old me um, wasn't really thinking about moving away to university uh, and all the learning that I would have to do there, if that makes sense. I'd say just that it's never too early to start preparing for moving away. Yeah, I definitely echo that. Um, I, yeah, life skills, I think if there's one thing I would change about, yeah, sort of how I approach that side of things, yeah, attacking that a lot early, a lot earlier on um, would definitely be the thing for me. Um, that, and I guess just, uh, just, you know, just believe in yourself. Um, I think there are going to be days where you just think, oh God, this is so difficult. And, and like, it can feel like an uphill struggle sometimes, um, especially, you know, coming into a new job, not knowing anyone, and then having to sort of, you know, explain your disability to people all the time. Um, so I, I would just, you know, just have that self-belief and yeah, the, the, the knowledge that you, you know, there is always a way through it, I guess. Um, so, yeah. Fantastic, thank you. Now we've got a few more questions. I'll try and ask just one more. Um, and for other questions, what we can do is we can put you in touch with the alumni who are here, because I think there are some, some specialist ones as well. Um, but one thing which has been brought up a few times, have you had any support in work apart from technology? So has there been any kind of practical support that has helped you in the workplace? Um, for, for me, if I just jump in here, like I, I actually think uh, networks of other uh, staff and other colleagues who are potentially disabled or, or have a visual impairment, I think that's been really good. Um, for, for me, there's uh, someone in my department who has the same sight condition as me, uh, but has been in the job for 30 years. Um, and that's been really good. If anything, I'd say, I mean, obviously, you know, you, I need the tech to do my job, but beyond that, that's been a... Um, 
I, don't, I guess a great inspiration to see that you can sort of make your way up the ladder and, and you can sort of approve it um, with your site. So I'd say networks of, of colleagues. Um, and I guess that that kind of comes back to also that that social side as well, getting to know your colleagues, creating that support network. Um, very, very important. But um, I wonder if this sort of is applicable to, to Josh and Zoe as well in terms of uh, people with, with slightly more uh, mobility considerations as well. Yeah, um, for me, it's been, like I said, it's been sort of interesting because I, until very, well, until last week, in fact, I hadn't even been to the office. So for me, like initially anyway, the technology was all I needed to do my job, really, that and a, <laughs> and a desk. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I am sort of in the process of trying to organize some mobility through access to work because um uh, even when I went into the office last week, uh, you know, I, I sort of, whilst it, you know, I, I'm really grateful that my colleagues were able to meet me at the tube station. Like, ultimately, I want to be able to, do, you know, I want to be able to do my commute by myself. And, um, you know, so I, th I think that's definitely something I'm, you know, actively looking to to do in the future. I mean, the other added complication at the moment is that, it, the tube can be a bit of a pain um, just in terms of trying to get assistance at the moment because of social distancing guidelines. I got to Chancery Lane tube on Tuesday and they basically told me you can't come back this way because we're not accepting visually impaired passengers at the moment. So like that, that's been sort of challenging um, to deal with as well. Um, but yeah, I think my hope is that as we sort of hopefully move towards the end of this pandemic um things will start you know easing up and actually that side of things will become a lot simpler to deal with and then yeah i definitely echo what ed said about those disability networks and you know finding uh, there, there's a, a woman in cardiff who although isn't in exactly the same line of work as me has worked at deloitte for the last 15 years with a visual impairment um so have, you know it's really great to have those role models there who you know who have been there and kind of experienced the same things that you're going through and uh, I think yeah that's definitely really important okay um I think we might wrap it up there then I know there's a few of you that put questions in the chat um more specifically if you uh would like to chat any of these things through or I know some of you haven't been in touch with Blinding Business before, then please don't hesitate to drop one of us an email. Um, we're also uh, all over social, on all the social medias. So if you want to do that, that's an easy way of getting in touch with us. Uh, sign up for our newsletter to hear about recent events and what's coming up. Um, so yeah, I think we'll just say a big thank you to our alumni who I've spoken brilliantly and hopefully it's been really useful for a lot of you out there um i'll be following up with everyone uh with an email and the podcast would also be out if anyone wants to listen back um i'll also put links on the email too um i know there's a bit about different tech um that some of you are interested in as well um so yeah i think we'll we'll leave it there but thank you everyone for for joining and we'll be in touch soon Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks very Bye. much. Thank you. Thanks.
everyone we're having some tech issues as per usual um but hopefully you've all joined okay um and thanks for joining um just to let everyone know this um workshop will be recorded audio only not video um so if you don't want to be included in that then please just mute yourself um but we'll be putting it up as a podcast onto our Spotify. Um, so those that can attend can listen in. Um, so to start with, um, just a little bit of admin yet, we're just gonna mute everyone. Um, and if you have any questions throughout the session, if you wouldn't mind just put, putting them in the chat um, and then we'll just do them all at the end, just so that we can keep everything running smoothly. Um, but yeah, apart from that, welcome to our Expectations Exceeded webinar. Um, my name's Jess and I work at Blind in Business as the Apprenticeship Coordinator. Um, so that means that I do the day-to-day -day runnings of our schools and council service. Um, so many of you I've met before, it's great that you're, you've come along. Um, if you're new to Blind in Business and you'd like to find out a bit more, maybe have a one-to-one -one session with one of us um, afterwards, then please just drop us an email after the session. Um, just to kind of outline the vague aims of this evening's session, um, we run these parents' workshops normally twice a year um, at Moorfields Eye Hospital in London. Um, obviously, due to COVID, we put them online, but it actually means that loads more of you have been able to access it, which is great. Um, so really, we're just going to hear from a few of our Blind and Business alumni. So uh, people, young people that have come to us that we've helped into work um, through further education. And hopefully you can find out a bit more about what made them successful, what helped them through their journey. Um, as well as kind of the social side of the visual impairment as well. Um, and hopefully that will build your confidence for those young people that are listening um, that are visually impaired themselves. So I hope that will make sense. Um, if you have any questions throughout, as I said, just pop them in the chat and um, James, my colleague, our employment manager, um, can reply to those. Um, but if anything, there's any for the Q&A itself, then we'll go through those at the end of the session. Um, so, just to start off with, um, I'll introduce our alumni. So, um, today we have 
uh, Asil, you should be here, Asil, can you shout out if you're here? Should yes, I am. Hiya. She's here. Hiya, Asil. Um, Zoe? Hiya. So here she is. Erica? Erica might not have joined yet. Okay, um, Josh? Yep, hi. Hi, Josh and Ed. Hi, Jess. Hi, everyone. Hi. Brilliant. Um, four out of five. Not bad. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll see if um, Erica joins in later in the session. Um, so just to start off with, guys, um, maybe it's easier to go through in the order I introduced you. Would you mind just introducing yourself, um, telling us how old you are, what job you're doing at the moment, uh, where you are in the country, and what your vision is like, just to give everyone a bit of a, an idea of who you are. So we'll start with Asphal. Sure. Hi. Um, so yeah, as Jess said, my name's Asel. Um, I am 31 years old. Um, I am an AI scientist um, at the moment. And what were some of the other questions? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm based in London. Um, uh, based in London and your vision impairment. Yep. Um, so I am an albino and um, well, the way the doctor described to me, I have a full um, field of view, but I have around 15% of my vision. Okay, and where do you work at the moment, Lisa? Um, In a healthcare data science company called IQVIA. Brilliant, thank you. Um, and we'll next go on to Zoe. Zoe is a little bit different, she's not quite a job level yet, so could you tell us a bit about who you are and what you're doing at the moment? Hi, yeah, so as Jess has said, uh, so my name's Zoe, I'm from Derby, uh, so that's in the Midlands, uh, everyone knows where it is. Um, so um, I am um, not very far along at all um, on my employment journey, so I've just graduated. Um, I literally just got my results three days ago, um, so I'm still sort of, uh, so I'm not actually, I don't have any experience of actual employment, um, but I have got um a very exciting interview lined up in the next two days um and that's in um that's uh, tax accountancy uh, i think that's everything oh visual impairment uh sorry <laughs> lots of questions um so i have next to no vision i have lcm um so i um have a little bit of light perception but that's pretty much it um thank you great thanks that's perfect. Um, we'll move on to Josh now. Josh, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, hi, I'm Josh. Um, I finished uni about this time last year um, and then was due to start my job in September, but with COVID, that was pushed back to February. Um, so I, now I work for Deloitte as a data scientist um, and consultant. Um, and then I, I vision wise, I'm totally blind. Used to have a bit of light perception, but don't have that nowadays. So, um, yeah, that was me. Great. Thank you. Uh, and last but not least, Ed. Hi, I'm Ed. Uh, I'm 28. I'm a civil servant, uh, who's been working for the department for transport for coming up on two years now. Um, and site levels wise, uh, I'm, I've got Stargarts, which is macular degeneration um so yeah i really struggle with um sort of detail but have a have a decent field of vision so uh very heavily reliant on things like zoom tech software like that 
um, but you know, able to to get about and hopefully not walk into too many people in the office. <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, okay, so to start with, we're just going to focus on kind of your employment journeys so far. Um, Aisul, could you just tell us a bit about what encouraged you um, to go into higher education? Because I know you pursued that quite far. You could tell everyone a bit about that um, and how you found your education journey in terms of um, making adjustments um, and succeeding in that. Um, sure. So um, I guess I'll give you a bit of background first. Um, so I went on um, first, I did my undergraduate degree at Leicester. I did uh, psychology with sociology, which I quite enjoyed. But um, after it, I guess I wanted something a little more, um, I would say, like scientifically rigorous. Uh, so I ended up pursuing a master's in neuroscience. Um, and that took a while. I ended up actually uh, partly because of my visual impairment, I found that um, kind of uh, being in a studying a STEM subject is a, a bit different to sort of social sciences, you know, where you have to focus on like what they write on the board and stuff like that. So I actually ended up pursuing my master's uh, part time. I then went into research and after being in academic research, I ended up doing a PhD also in neuroscience um, at UCL. Um, so that was a very long journey within academia, almost 10 years. Um, and how did I find the adjustments? Um, I have to say that like, I found that the further you go in academia, the less uh, adjustments come to you, the more you have to kind of be more proactive to make sure that the environment is suitable to you. Because simply, you know, people don't, don't really meet many people who have various types of disabilities. Um, so the onus really becomes on you to uh, go and knock on people's doors and ensure that the type of support that you have um, is there essentially and also it comes with uh, you know maybe partly the recognition that uh, you know to be honest you're not going to be supported fully throughout that journey and to uh, you know just carry on kind of persevering through that uh, that's the kind of real sense of it I think um, but uh, despite that I absolutely don't regret my journey um, I really enjoyed academia and uh, yeah I think that's it Great, thank you. Um, Zoe, as someone that's just finished university, um, would you agree with what Aisul said? Did you find you had a similar experience? Um, I think in some respects, yes, but in other respects, no. Um, so I think, I think, Aisul, did you, did you say that the further you went along that academic journey, the less um, support you were getting? Um, yes, exactly. I, I found during my undergraduate, uh, I actually found it was pretty like, you know, there was a template of how you get supported. But then further on, it was a, a little bit harder to get that support. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with the first part of that. I haven't uh, embarked on a master's or anything like that. So I couldn't really comment on what it's like uh, further along in the academia journey. Uh, but. Um, I certainly was well supported. Obviously, there were things um, that were, I mean, slightly, I mean, I don't want to say ancillary uh, to the academic side of things, but the sort of um, mobility, the uh, guiding, uh, you know, from accommodation to lectures and all of that. Um, 
so self-advocacy really did come into it and perseverance as SL said um, but I'd say on the educational front I was quite well provided for I'd say Good, that's good to hear. Um, and Ed, you didn't go to uni. Could you tell everyone a bit about um, how you found similar aspects, so um, adjustments and that type of thing uh, in through your education and through your job at the moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I, I did actually go to uni, I just didn't finish it. I, I mm -hmm. My sight sort of deteriorated um, whilst I was at university. So for me, like it was a real adjustment period not only was I like sort of dealing with the hardest kind of, um, I guess, content uh, that I don't ever had to deal with doing an engineering degree, um, but then sort of having to adapt my learning style. And that was quite, quite tricky. Um, but what, what I found kind of since then and what I've really learned from that is, yeah, you do have to, like, like the other said, you really do have to be the biggest advocate for your own um, uh, adjustments. Um, and, I, you know, don't be afraid to speak out because that's certainly what I've done in my in my current job. And if anything it's actually kind of got me into um a few like kind of working groups a few discussion panels actually at work kind of talking to much more senior people about the adjustments that are required um about the need for you know like we've been on diversity and inclusion panels things like that to, to really discuss the importance of this um so trying to use it like as a as a real advantage i guess um in whatever way you can if you can become like you know speak really loud for yourself and, and be really clear on what it is you need um you know people will listen i think people respond very well to that so i mean for, for me it's been a it's been a really good experience in my job and uh, and with the apprenticeship that i'm on um through my job could you just um clarify for people that don't know what apprenticeship you're on at the moment yeah so i'm on the uh, policy profession apprenticeship uh, run by the civil service um, sort of throughout the civil service, there's lots of different like policy roles. So you can work in what I'm currently working on is is uh, border readiness of of, of hauliers um, with relation to the EU transition period. So it's all very sounds quite complicated, uh, but it's really interesting um, and work with a great team. And I think the the apprenticeship kind of allows you to do that. It sort of uh, sent you across lots of different policy opportunities across lots of different departments. Um, so yeah, very interesting. Okay, um, uh, just touching on the apprenticeship side of things for those people that are listening that are interested in that, what would you say the advantage, the advantages doing an apprenticeship over doing a degree? Um, well, the, the biggest one obviously is is earning whilst you're learning. Mm -hmm. um, that was really great, and I think. It allows you to get into, um, you know, the, the job a, a different route. And once you're yeah. into the job, all they care about moving on in the next stage is kind of your experience within the job. So um, I've sort of since applied for promotions internally, and, and none of it's been about, oh, what, you know, do you have a uni degree? It's actually about, you know, what are your, what's your experience and what have you learned in your role and things like that. So yeah. um, it's a really good avenue. I mean, like uh, for my personal learning style, I think I learn much better on the job, and so there's bigger lecture halls uh, are not quite were not quite suited to me certainly at the time um so yeah I, I think it's a it's a great alternative at least good okay um josh coming to you now um would you be able to tell us a bit about how blind and business played a part in your journey into employment yeah of course um so i actually got involved with blind and business while i was at school um quite a few years ago um <laughs> and um 
yeah so sort of was always aware of you know uh, that that you know they were around essentially um and then mm. obviously sort of went off to uni did my degree um and then sort of got into my sort of getting to the end of my third year of my degree and then went on to do a master's but was also very conscious that I didn't have any sort of work experience going forward um so I went got into got in touch with blind business initially so someone could look over my CV I think one of the main concerns I had was about how to disclose my disability and um you know the sort of steps I needed to take to talk to employers about that kind of thing um and so James initially helped me draft my CV um and and I then went along to an assessment center like a mock assessment center day at EY um, not sure how much of that actually played into my future career choice, but um, read into that as you will. But um, anyway, then eventually sort of in my fourth year um, of uni, uh, started looking at grad schemes and decided that Deloitte was going to be one of the ones I applied to. Um, and yeah, shortly after applying, um, I was asked to do a video interview, which I think we can all safely say is a challenge when you when you can't really see what you're doing. So, um, mm. again, sort of got in contact with Blind and Business um, just to see, you know, what my sort of next steps should be about, you know, to talk to them about those kinds of things. And um, anyway, the James did some interview coaching with me um again sort of looked over my CV and made sure that it was all you know up to date and how I wanted it to look and um yeah and then it, when it got round to the actual in-person interview Michael actually um came along to the interview with me dropped me off at the office so I knew where I was headed um because um New Street Square, where the Deloitte offices are, is somewhat of a maze. Um, and I, I, I seem to remember that me and Michael both struggled to find the office on the day. So I'm glad, glad we left ourselves plenty of time to get there. But um, yeah, and uh, eventually um, got accepted by Deloitte to uh, yeah to work in data science. So I, I, I definitely credit my, um, you know, my, yeah, my, my current job with all of the help that blinded business gave me for sure <laughs> that's great um and you mentioned they're disclosing your disability i know this is something that a lot of people feel nervous about um how did that process work for you you touched on it briefly um, and what did you find easy and more difficult about it what advice would you give to people yeah so um i i was always sort of I always wanted to I think I, I always wanted to be upfront with people about it um personally um I know it's a it's a difficult choice for a lot of people but I I wanted to present it in a way that kind of that's not oh hello I'm Josh and I'm blind in the profile of my <laughs> CV um I wanted to sort of you know um present it in a way that's like this is what I can do and you know yes I am blind but actually you know I, I do other stuff you know that that isn't who I am um yeah. so I I mean I, I presented it in I, I I'm part of the blind England cricket team so I actually put that in my in my profile as a way of sort of demonstrating that you know yes I'm blind but I also have you know, great team working skills and you know actually you know play sport at a high level so mm -hmm. I think uh, for me, it was about finding a way of, of, of putting that across, but also saying, you know, actually, this is all the other stuff I can do. 
Um, mm. So, yeah, that's sort of Good. that was sort of my process. Okay, um, and so would you say that you had a similar experience? Um, and would you also be able to explain to people a bit about access to work and what that is? Because some people may not know. Sorry, was the question directed at me? Yes, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, for me, I would say um, I'm very similar to Josh, where um, I think as I go further down um, my career path, it becomes e like it, it's almost a, I'm a lot more confident at disclosing my disability. And in fact, um, you know, I usually like to do it early on in the interview process, whereas I think uh, when I was um, uh, applying for jobs before I always kind of put it as an afterthought um, whereas now you know even in my um, CV unfortunately I'm not a um, national England uh, cricket player but I you know in my blurb I, I do mention about my disability so I try to be very transparent about it because at the end of the day I like I hope that um, sort of my skills speak for for themselves and this is just a kind of extra bit which they should keep in mind and hopefully um if they if it's possible for us to work together well then uh you know clearly they would be respectful to uh, and uh, adjust their needs for me uh, or just for my needs um, and in terms of access to work, I have personally not used uh, that a program yet. I have heard that it's very useful, uh, but I guess because I spent such a long time in um, academia, I did use the um, DSA and uh, for higher education. So the student disability allowance, which covered a lot of um, which offered the similar types of things as access to work um, and in terms of the jobs that I have had since um, the companies have covered any of these extra needs that I have uh, needed so far. Great thank you. Um, Zoe we're just going to come back to you briefly um, for those people that are thinking of going to university or even moving away to do an apprenticeship um, what would you say your top tips for uni are and how did you find that it um, boosted your confidence um, on a social level? Uh, okay um, I'll start off with the uni thing I think my top tips we've talked about self-advocacy a lot before can't stress mm -hmm. enough how important that is because um, if you're not already used to asking for what you need, what you need, and sort of being prepared to do that, um, then you'll get used to that very quickly. But it does help um, to be, um, you know, prepared to do that before you head off to uni. Because um, when I went off, I'm afraid that was something I kind of needed. Uh, to work on um, and yeah um, it was a bit of a painful experience learning how to do that at the same time as learning how to navigate university life uh, so I'd say maybe really get good on that get strong on self-advocacy um, I would say also get familiar with what your university offers what services they offer and what they don't offer um, mm -hmm. what um, you have to figure out externally um, so my university is really really good on library access so they have uh, 
what they call the um, accessible resources unit, um, which is really, really good um, at preparing um, resources in uh, accessible formats for me. Um, because obviously I'm not really in a position to just go into a library and pick up a book. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's all good. Um, I'd say on the social side, um, I think it's been quite difficult um, over the last 18 months because I've had to spend a lot of time not actually on campus. Um, so for, I think it was my third term of second year and second and third term of third year most of that was spent actually at home not at university at all um but i'd say in the time that i was at university i would say that just um getting to know people um of my own age who are um sighted was really useful because i went to um a specialist school for the visually impaired um so new college worcester i'm not sure how many of you on here know about no, that no. um many of the people yeah. watching but um it's quite a small school and it has a lot going for it but what i would say is that um coming to university and engaging with sighted people my own age was uh quite a new experience and i'd say that really prepared me for um going into the office and mm -hmm. um, continuing to interact with sighted people of my generation, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That was really good advice. Um, Ed, what would you say, you've got, this is, you know, originally a parents workshop, now we have lots of different young people and uh, teachers of visual impairment listening in. But um, what impact would you say that your parents had on you regarding your site loss and what did you find easy or difficult about that well um we, we didn't really expect for my my site loss is sort of mm. i suppose what impact did they have their faulty genes i guess was what <laughs> um, but uh, other than that i mean obviously they were incredibly supportive but it was as, as new an experience for them as it was was for me um yeah. i've got a younger brother as well who has the same condition um, so I think that helped us both having it. Um, yeah. Sort of, I'd gone through it first, and we we're able to kind of have a bit of fun with it. I guess. I, I think the key really is is to just, you know, Zoe mentioned it before about self advocacy. It kind of applies to literally everything. If you if you're confident in who in who you are, and you know, not apologetic for something that you have no control over, uh, people really warm to that. So that I think confidence is kind of. Um, is very important in in whatever aspect and i think it particularly applies to to visual impairment so yeah. um obviously my, my parents were very supportive but there's a lot of times that i guess they they wouldn't even understand about things that i could or couldn't see yeah. um and uh, i guess they they kind of you know were supportive when they could but they also knew that it's very important to to push yourself yeah. um you know i think for a parent sometimes it could be very easy to try and wrap your child up in in sort of <laughs> cotton wool I mean, I was sort of 16, 17, 18 when, when I was first diagnosed and my sight was going down. So, I mean, they were obviously a lot more kind of uh, hands off at that point. But but for kids sort of younger, in younger ages, some of the stuff that I've done um, through some sight loss charities in Somerset, you know, it's just about I think you, you, what you want to do is you want to try and allow your kids to to push themselves and really show what their, their potential is. Um, I'd say that's that's kind of where you get that confidence and that that kind of ability to um yeah be unapologetic for your for yeah. your 
uh, for your disability and just get on and, and get the best out of yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm going to open that question up uh, to the rest of you as well, um, Pistol, Josh and Zoe. Do any of you have anything you would add to that? Or would you say you, you echo what Ed said? I would say, um, personally, I would uh, definitely echo what Ed said. Uh, I guess my experience was slightly different because I, I guess I grew up as uh, being visually impaired from birth. Um, and, uh, you know, be it for better or worse, I, I think uh, my whole family sort of treated me um, just kind of the same as my brothers. And they kind of didn't give me any... Um, and any excuses you know it's uh, mm -hmm. so it was very much and I think because of that it actually allowed me uh, to test my my own limits more yeah. because I think otherwise if let's say if they would have been a bit more like as he said again uh, you know it's a completely new experience for them especially uh, no one in my extended family has this um, yeah. so uh, I think them kind of allowing me to uh, to just be free and the same as any other child I think it really um, allowed me to get to know where my limits are and also how to maybe overcome some limits so uh, yeah I, I would definitely back the kind of harsh love approach <laughs> <laughs> yeah the tough love um okay uh and Josh, um, we've just been speaking about confidence a bit and self-advocacy. Um, how easy did you find it to become confident um, to go for these top jobs at Deloitte and elsewhere? Um, how did you, you know, find that in yourself to become, to be able to, you know, advocate for yourself? Yeah, I mean, um, I've always been, I, I've always been sort of party to the idea that you know your disability shouldn't hold you back from doing anything you want to do I think that's why I was mad enough to do a physics degree at uni but um, <laughs> I, I think uh, for me it was all it was always about you know if 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 my friends are having the same you know they've got these opportunities why shouldn't why shouldn't I kind of that was my mentality and um, I think part of that is definitely because I've had you know really supportive parents and I went to a although I went to a mainstream school we had a very good VI resource base there who you know supported me throughout my sort of school career and 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 even while I was at uni although they'd never had a, a, phys a blind physics student before they were everyone was willing to be willing to be really flexible and 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 help me with you know problems I, I happen to be struggling with so I think uh, yeah part, part of that is definitely due to the people I've had around me and uh, and I think part of it also just just comes from you know uh, from yourself you know from myself and I think you know you, you have to you, you have to be able to stand up for what you think you you deserve um because no one else is going to do it so I yeah <laughs> I, I I definitely think um yeah just having a really good you know environment yeah. around you know and, and uh, really supportive friends family whatever is, is you know so important as well yeah. great thanks guys that's really helpful advice um we're gonna go on to the q a so we're gonna open it up uh to any of you listening that have any questions um, if you pop them in the chat james is going to go through them
Right, we haven't had any questions so far, but I definitely have, have a question. Um, when you went to university or when you started work, how have you found, found the social side of things? So kind of going out, enjoying freshers week, did you find you were able to kind of get stuck in and enjoy the social side as well as the, the work side? Um, I'm happy to jump in on this one. I'm, I'm sure the others could, will, will have what, what they want to say on afterwards. But um, I think that's almost just as important, if not more important than, than the work side. Um, looking at it from a work perspective, obviously going for um, other drinks after work or, or lunch with, with colleagues. Um, I, I, I found sort of recognising colleagues quite difficult when I first got into the office. But again, it comes back to that if you're if you're quite um open about who you are and 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 what you know kind of challenges you might have um you know people are very receptive to those sorts of things and i think once you if you put yourself out there and, and go for those kind of social events it's it really helps um sort of further down the line if you do have um some sort of needs like say oh you know i've got to go onto the third floor to go and see so and so like i've got no idea where they are like would you be able to you know go up there with me like that that's when those sorts of kind of social um links with people really help they're, they're sort of dead keen to to help you out on those things so and uh, from a uni perspective obviously going out and and getting involved in in freshers week as much as you can with your flatmates or people in your halls i i can't stress how important that is so yeah sometimes i guess it could be a little bit nerve-wracking but i think more often than not it goes very well so um i don't know if any of the others want to come in on that yeah, I, I, um, I, d I definitely agree with Ed. Um, I mean, I for me, want to talk about Freshers Week, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, when I went into uni, I think everyone, everyone, whether you have a disability or not, is terrified uh, that first week or so. Um, I, I remember my my first couple of days. I was just, you know, oh my god, I've, you know, I've gone from living with my mom and 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 now I'm just on my own you know and and ultimately everyone is the same age as me and has about as much life experience as I do so um I think I think it's terrifying for anyone right and 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 but I I, I you know jumped at you know trying to meet as many people as possible and and you know making I think making friends is so important um and then obviously I mean from a work perspective it's been very different for me I started working you know, right in the middle of a pandemic. So um, all of my induction was virtual, it was all done over Zoom, um, which was, I think, a challenge in itself because Deloitte had never really done a virtual induction before. Um, and then on top of that, they then had to try and work out ways of, you know, making things accessible for me. Um, but also it meant that from a social, you know, from a social perspective, all of that sort of networking, which you would have traditionally done in that you know those first couple of weeks it's actually quite it was very difficult to organize because that had that also had to be done in zoom sessions so you sort of ended up doing nine ten hour zoom calls every day for the first month which was and then on top of that you'd then have to like log back in a couple of hours later to do a two-hour networking session so it's like that was a very different experience and I, i'm sure well i hope anyway that 
we won't have to go through that much longer. But um, I, th I think in some ways it's been quite an interesting leveller um, in that unless I explicitly tell people, they wouldn't necessarily have to know that I'm blind. And actually, I could just quite happily get on with my job um, or, you know, get to know people over Zoom and they would just have no idea. Um, uh, and and actually that that was quite liberating for me. And, you know, uh, although I'm sure people wouldn't, you know, judge like that, it was also quite nice to know that actually they didn't, you know, people didn't necessarily have to know if they didn't, if I didn't want them to know. So um, that was quite interesting for me, but I, I'm actually started going into the office a bit since sort of May, June time. Um, and it's also been really nice to meet people in person and also quite surreal to meet them after feeling like so um, that's been my experience. If I could just uh, add to that as well, um, I would say when it comes to kind of social life at uni and beyond um, and visual impairment, um, I, I know that personally I've always found it a really difficult, uh, uh, like probably a lot more difficult to disclose to sort of like on a social level rather even compared to employers just because employers is quite easy, it's like a more of a formality whereas uh, you know with people that you meet it's a bit difficult to kind of be like oh yeah I'm, I'm, it's actually I'm not ignoring you or it's not uh, that I'm clumsy or whatever uh, <laughs> to actually get to um tell uh, like knowing where when is the right time to basically say that like hey i can't see very well can you help me out like to show me where xyz is um mm. i think personally i haven't figured out like an overall kind of specific formula which works for every situation but i do think that it's always worth bearing in mind that you know, people are always happy to help. I have, I don't think I have ever met anybody who's been like, you know, rude or offensive or something like that after um, disclosing that you have a visual impairment in a social situation or at work. So I think actually maybe having the confidence to uh, come out with it earlier and like, you know, in a casual way, I think it always helps because at the end of the day, you're straight, you're, uh, staying true to yourself, which can only be a positive. Fantastic. Okay? Thank you oh, sorry. very much. We've had a couple of people ask questions about technology. So if we could quickly go around, because I know there's never a solution that is perfect for everyone. But if you could tell us what technology or software you find useful, and that can be at work, but I'd also be really interested to know what kind of apps on your phone, for example, you find quite useful just for day to day. I guess I'll quickly go. Um... Uh, generally, personally, I use all well all the my computers. Uh, I have an, a huge external desktop. I've got uh, all the accessibility settings, and the main uh, sort of um, apps that I use are um, a zooming software. Usually, I prefer Macs over over Microsoft computers just because they have a much better UI. Um, and when it comes to using other things I use loops I've, I have found uh, quite useful 
to um, just see stuff in detail. Oh, and also spe various speech software. But usually um, I don't use Zoom text just because I don't like the uh, like robotic voices and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I tend to use just like the native Google software for that. So I, I actually use Zoom text. Um, I've had a lot of problems with it sort of at work. We finally got them working. Um, and just due to the nature of my my site, like I can use the magnifier to navigate around the screen. Um, and then anything that I know that I, you know, is longer than a sentence, I, I tend to use the speech on it to, to have it read out. So for me, at my site levels, um, that's sort of a uh, there's, there's, I think there's a couple of alternatives, things like Supernova. I'm sure Blind Business will be, you know, very good at, at sort of sorting out all the assistive tech. But um, for me, Zoom Text is, is the big one that I use for work. And then my, uh, I just use an iPhone as my personal phone, um, which is sort of got a lot of great accessibility functionality built into it. And then, um, yeah, so sort of like the, the Zoom or, or for longer bits of text or the voiceover, things like that. I use a Mac um, and a Braille display for most of what I do at work. Um, I used to use JAWS um, up until about my second year of uni, and then I made the switch over to Mac because I was doing a lot of coding. Um, and I've generally found that Macs tend to be easier to code with for me anyway. Um, and yeah, so I, I tend to use a Mac and a Braille display. Um, I, the Braille display is really useful um, when I code, actually, because a lot of coding relies on things being, you know, things being in line with one another and you have to indent things to a certain extent. So I, I think a Braille display for me has been really useful because um, otherwise you have to end up sort of counting tabs at the beginning of each line, which isn't ideal. Um, so yeah, and then I mean, on my phone, um, I use tap tap see, um, seeing AI as well is a big one that I use, especially sort of identifying tins and stuff at home. Um, soundscape i use sometimes to try and get around um in conjunction with google maps as well so um yeah i would say that's really interesting what you're saying about mac being better for coding and all of that um, because i'm coming to this from a very kind of humanities centered um perspective so i actually did a music degree um so i've found that um so i've just got a you know standard dell laptop uh windows um and i use either jaws or nvda because uh, <laughs> different things work better with different uh, uh screen readers and obviously nvda is available for free so yeah why not um but i would say for doing my music um it's a lot easier to do on this setup than on a mac say um i think obviously that's going to change a whole lot so maybe i'm uh best not to really dwell on what I'm doing at the moment because obviously I'm going into a very non-musical setting I may well have to um, adjust my software etc for work and all of that um, so that'll be a really interesting thing to explore in the next few months um, and obviously blind in business will I'm sure be um, really good with all of that and sort of uh, talking me through what sort of options are available, what's best suited to the job that I'm going into.
um i'd say personal um tech use is pretty much the same as josh to be honest so uh iphone uh obviously has lots of very good built-in features um and seeing ai i'd say it's been really useful Fantastic. We've got a few more questions, so I'm going to try and rush through because I'm keeping my eye on the clock as well. Um, I think we've got a great question here, which Zoe, I'd be very interested to hear your answer because I think you and Josh were probably the most recent. Looking back, what advice would you give yourself? I'm sorry, I slightly lost the end of that. Could you repeat that, please? Looking back, what advice would you give yourself at the start of secondary school? Ah, brilliant, thank you. Um, so I would say it's never too soon to start gearing up for moving away from home and for, you know, looking out for yourself, as we've been saying. Um, so I would say there was a huge learning curve when I went off to university. Um, and I'd say, um, as I have said, I did go to new college uh, which is a boarding school and that's really fantastic in terms of um, teaching life skills <clears throat> so there for the first three years they have skills programs um, and you basically learn sort of adaptive strategies for say cooking doing laundry um, even stuff like shopping online and kind of knowing what you're doing uh, and obviously that's very tailor made you know from student to student I would say um, and obviously, um, I took all of that home. Um, I did that sort of not while I was not at school as well. Um, I'd say just really concentrate on that um, a lot more than I actually did, if that makes sense. Because uh, eleven-year-old me um, wasn't really thinking about moving away to university uh, and all the learning that I would have to do there, if that makes sense. I'd say just that it's never too early to start preparing for moving away. Yeah, I definitely echo that. Um, I, yeah, life skills, I think if there's one thing I would change about, yeah, sort of how I approach that side of things, yeah, attacking that a lot early, a lot earlier on um, would definitely be the thing for me. Um, but, and I guess just, uh, you know, just believe in yourself. Um, I think, there are going to be days where you just think, oh God, this is so difficult. And and like, it can feel like an uphill struggle sometimes, um, especially, you know, coming into a new job, not knowing anyone, and then having to sort of, you know, explain your disability to people all the time. Um, so I, I would just, you know, just have that self-belief and yeah, the, the, the knowledge that you, you know, there is always a way through it, I guess. Um, so, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Now we've got a few more questions. I'll try and ask just one more. Um, and for other questions, what we can do is we can put you in touch with the alumni who are here, because I think there are some, some specialist ones as well. Um, but one thing which has been brought up a few times, have you had any support in work apart from technology? So has there been any kind of practical support that has helped you in the workplace? 
Um, for, for me, if I just jump in here, like I, th I actually think uh, networks of other uh, staff and other colleagues who are potentially disabled or, or have a visual impairment, I think that's been really good. Um, for me, there's uh, someone in my department who has the same sight condition as me, uh, but has been in the job for 30 years. Um, and that's been really good. If anything, I'd say, I mean, obviously, you know, you, I need the tech to do my job. But beyond that, that's been, a, um, I, I guess, a great inspiration to see that you can sort of make your way up the ladder and, and you can sort of achieve it um, with your site. So I'd say networks of, of colleagues. Um, and I guess that that kind of comes back to also that that social side as well, getting to know your colleagues, creating that support network. Um, very, very important. But um, I wonder if this sort of is applicable to, to Josh and Zoe as well in terms of uh, people with with slightly more uh, mobility considerations as well. Yeah, um, for me, it's been like I said, it's been sort of interesting because I until very well until last week in fact I hadn't even been to the office so for me like initially anyway the technology was all I needed to do my job really that and a <laughs> and a desk um but I yeah I mean I am sort of in the process of trying to organize some mobility through access to work because um uh, even when I went into the office last week uh you know I, I sort of whilst it you know I, I'm really grateful that my colleagues were able to meet me at the tube station like ultimately I want to be able to do, you know I want to be able to do my commute by myself and um you know so I, th I think that's definitely something I'm you know actively looking to to do in the future I mean the other added complication at the moment is that it, the tube can be a bit of a pain um, just in terms of trying to get assistance at the moment because of social distancing guidelines. I got to Chancery Lane tube on Tuesday and they basically told me you can't come back this way because we're not accepting visually impaired passengers at the moment. So like that, that's been sort of challenging um, to deal with as well. Um, but yeah, I think my hope is that as we sort of, hopefully move towards the end of this pandemic um things will start you know easing up and actually that side of things will become a lot simpler to deal with and then yeah i definitely echo what ed said about those disability networks and you know finding uh, there, there's a, a woman in cardiff who although isn't in exactly the same line of work as me has worked at deloitte for the last 15 years with a vision impairment um so have, you know it's really great to have those role models there who you know who have been there and kind of experienced the same things that you're going through and uh, I think yeah that's definitely really important okay um I think we might wrap it up there then I know there's a few of you that put questions in the chat um more specifically if you uh would like to chat with any of these things through or I know some of you haven't been in touch with Blinding Business before, then please don't hesitate to drop one of us an email. Um, we're also uh, all over social on all the social medias. So if you want to do that, that's an easy way of getting in touch with us. Uh, sign up for our newsletter to hear about recent events and what's coming up. Um, so yeah, I think we'll just say a big thank you to our alumni who I've spoken brilliantly and hopefully it's been really useful for a lot of you out there. Um, I'll be following up with everyone uh, with an email and the podcast would also be out if anyone wants to listen back 
um, I'll also put links on the email too. Um, I know there's a bit about different tech um, that some of you are interested in as well. Um, so yeah, I think we'll we'll leave it there. But thank you everyone for for joining, and we'll be in touch soon.